So let me ask you a question this morning. How many have ever done this? You, you pre-judge someone and, and your suspicion was wrong. Can, can I just, okay, about 10 of you. Okay, that's good. Um, I, uh, we're, we're, we're finishing this series on, on God's grace. And, and you see these U-turn signs that we have up here. Some of you may have wondered what the, those signs are for. I had a couple of guys uh, rip those off of 104. So thank you guys for doing that. No, I'm teasing. We bought those. Um, we're, we're looking at how we can change the course of our lives. Uh, from one that is just geared towards suspicion many times, judgment. I, I don't know about you, but for me, the inclination of my heart usually jumps, jumps to judgment first or suspicion or what are they up to or what's the bottom line or what's in the small print, right? We're just kind of geared that way. And it's really the proclivity of our heart to do that. And we've been looking at this series of how can we allow God's grace to envelop our hearts to turn away from this negative suspicion, to turn that around to God's grace. Isn't it wonderful that none of us deserve God's grace, but through his love and mercy, he gives us his grace anyways? I mean, that's something that makes Christianity unique from every other religious system. That it's all based, Christianity is all based on something that none of us in this room deserve. There's nothing that we could do to merit it. There's nothing that we could do to strive for it. There's nothing about my self-righteousness or righteousness that could ever appease God in his perfection. God knows that about us. God knows our hearts. God knows that we're judgmental. God knows that we jump to suspicion. And I, I'm just going to be honest with you. Let's have a little therapy session right now. Um, it happens to me. A lot. And I, and, and God shines the light on my own heart. Um, we were traveling back. We, at the end of the fall last year, we, uh, we took just like a three day trip to, to, to New York City. We had an international student staying with us from China. So we wanted to take her to New York City. And, and uh, a couple of my kids were, were with us too, Lily and Wesley. And so we went to New York City and we're driving back. And we, we stopped at, at Wendy's on the way back. And we're going to Wendy's. It was kind of long. It was during rush hour. And all these about five or six college kids come in and we're waiting in line. And they cut right in front of me and get in line. I'm like, really? Let's go at it right now. You're going to cut in line. Right? And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, sorry. They didn't realize that they cut in line. And they came out of line, and then, and then came behind us. I'm like, that's right. That's right. Get to the back of the line. You know, I was just so Christian in my response. Like, hey, why don't you guys cut in front of us? That's okay. I mean, I was such a good pastor at that moment. And uh, so we get, to the, we get to the line, and we're ordering, and my family went back to sit down, and they had like uh, three uh, trays out there, and so we're all waiting for our food. And so our food came out. I couldn't carry it all, the food back to our, our um, table. Would you believe it that one of those college kids turns to me and goes, can I help you carry one of those trays back? I'm like, oh God. You're teaching me a lesson right here in the line of Wendy's. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. He goes, no, he goes, it'll be, no, no problem. And the kid, one of the, the, the kid I just judged of cutting in line that I almost had a, a, a throw down. We almost had a throw down. He's carrying my tray back to, to the line, you know? And I'm like, and it just, how do you know, it's like, it's in those moments you realize, am I really a Christian? Am I really saved at this moment? You know, you just, listen, God knows our hearts. God knows that we tend to prejudge. Why, why is our first reaction so many times goes to the negative 
Or, or why do we fill in the gaps of our lives with such suspicion so many times? And, um, you know, we see this at work so much today. And, um, you know, maybe you're at work and, and one of your coworkers came in late and your first thought was like, yeah, they stayed up late watching the NBA finals last night. I know what they're up to, right? Only to find out that one of their kids were sick. And, you know, or, or, or if someone had judged you unfairly, right? And they just judge you unfairly without ever getting to know you. Have you ever had this conversation with somebody uh, when they said to you, they said, the first time I met you, I thought you were fill in the blank, right? You know, man, the first time I met you, I thought that you were really a jerk. You know what? You really are. I, I, I got that one right, right. No, have you ever thought that? And they just thought, I thought this about you, or I kind of saw you around the office, or maybe I, I saw you with other people at church, and I, and I kind of missed you. And once I got to know you, you really not liked it. That, how many? That has happened to all of us, hasn't it? And it's just, there's just something about us that we tend to jump to this suspicion. And, and maybe, maybe it's because we've had a bad experience with someone and then we kind of lump everyone into the same category without ever really getting to know them. And, and, and I see, you know, what people many times say about Christians on social media and some of it is probably well-deserved, but many times we seem to lump all Christians together with one big broad stroke. And, and so why is our default uh, just to turn to that negative. Why, you know, why do we prejudge people? Why do we do that? Um, and, and we know, we know what, many times we know what we are supposed to do. But for some reason, we tend to think the worst in people. And we do that. We, we shouldn't fill in the gaps until we hear the whole story, but we do. We shouldn't prejudge people, but we do. And, and so we have, to, we have to look at our hearts because the default of our heart is to rush to judgment. And so we need to look at that. And, and in our age of instant news, uh, we see things happening right away. Um, that's why so very few people actually buy a newspaper today. And kids are out there saying, what's a newspaper? What's that? I don't know what it is. It, it, it's, it's, once it's in the newspaper, it's old news. We are constantly bombarded by instantaneous news. Have you ever just watched the news channel and then you got the, the, the ticker underneath that's just that's scrolling and you got this over here. What Instant news. This is happening right now. We're just bombarded with this instant news and it's so easy for us um, to jump to the conclusion or the worst in that conclusion without hearing the whole story. So let's get an accurate understanding of ourselves. So let, let me give you this, this first point. Let, let me give you this first bullet point th- th- this morning. Becoming self-aware is understanding that we have blind spots in our lives. So if, if we're going to understand why, why do I jump to, to the negative? Why do I have such a judgmental heart? Which all of us do. Um, we, if we're going to be self-aware, it's about being self-aware. And it's understanding that we all have blind spots. W- what's, what's a blind spot? It's something that you don't see. A blind spot is when you're driving in your car, you didn't look all the way over and you begin to change lanes and you're like, someone's right there. That, that's a blind spot. We didn't see it. And so many times we don't see things in our lives or we don't correctly judge ourselves. And every single one of us have blind spots in our lives. Men, that's why we have wives. Just saying, okay? 
They do a great job pointing out our blind spots. Can I get an amen from all the women? Amen. Okay, that's their gift. Their gift is the gift of showing us our blind spots, okay? So, so it's, it's, it's easy for me, right? Can we just be honest? It's easy for me, for us, to point out the flaws to others, but it's not so easy to see our own. Can we just get a consensus this morning that that's true? So Jeremiah, the prophet, um, does a great job on really showing us what our hearts are really like. So if so, listen, this is the best advice you're going to get all morning. If someone ever tells you to follow your heart, just slap them right there. Don't follow your heart. Don't, you know, don't say, oh, I think my heart. It's going to get, get you in trouble every single time. How many of you know that your emotions are up, down, this? And you might be feeling this, you know, one enchanted evening when you find your true lover. It's just to all that, okay? Don't do it. It, it will get, how many of you following your heart just got you in a whole heap of trouble? It just does. So Jeremiah, the prophet, um, does a great job just showing us the trueness of our heart. Look at what Jeremiah says here. Jeremiah says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things, and it's desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Everybody say, ouch. Boy, that's not warm and fuzzy, pastor. I want warm and fuzzy scriptures. No, th- this is good for us to hear this because we, if we're going to know ourselves, we have to know we have blind spots. And, and, and in our hearts are very deceitful. And if we don't have God speaking to us, if we don't have God's word speaking to us, it's very easy for us to trust in ourselves and what we're feeling. And that will get us in trouble because, Jerem- because the prophet Jeremiah says it's wicked. It's deceitful. It will lead you astray. So the question is this. How can I change directions? How can we take a U-turn from the default of our heart being judgmental and suspicious and, and then allowing God's grace to give us a different view on how we look at ourselves and how we look at others, and how we deal with others. The good news is, is we can. And what Jesus does is he, he deals with the deepest issues and, and really shines the light on the reality of our heart. So Jesus just didn't come to give us a set of rules to follow. How many know you can set an, a bunch of rules and follow those rules, but our hearts can still be wicked? We can, we can be good, good citizens and, and obey by all the rules, but yet our hearts can still be wicked. And this is what Jesus came against when he was walking on the earth. He, he was coming in conflict with those who had a lot of rules and they loved their rules. They loved their rules. They made rules upon rules upon this and that and the other. And they loved to show everybody how they followed their rules and they wanted to usurp these rules on everybody else. But then Jesus does what? He exposes their self-righteousness. And says, you may follow all these rules and you may look righteous on the outside. But inside, it's just a bunch of dead man's bones. It's wicked. You're, you're, you're hypocrites. And that's what he said to many of the self-righteous. And sad to say, we can fall into the same trap today if we're not careful. And so what Jesus does is he comes and he wants to change our heart. One that is self-centered to one that is God-centered. So Jesus, early in his ministry on earth gives this incredible teaching commonly called the sermon on the Mount. And he teaches this on the side of Galilee. And at this point, there's, there's, there's many, many people that are following him. And Jesus begins this teaching. And 
Matthew records it for us in Matthew chapter 5 and 7 in Matthew and records Jesus' teaching for us. And basically, if I can just do, if I can summarize these chapters for you, the Sermon on the Mount is all about our heart. Um, it's not just following some set of rules and looking good on the outside. Basically, if you read those chapters, you're like, wow, how could I ever follow any of those? It just seems so difficult. I mean, Jesus just throws out the gauntlet and just says, you, you know, if you're doing this, then it's wrong and blah, blah, blah. And if you read those at face value, you're like, man, I could never follow those. That's exactly what Jesus wants you to think. Because what was happening is these religious of the time were following their man-made rules. And Jesus says, but those man-made rules or, or following the law perfectly can't save you. It can make you look good on the outside, but ultimately it can't save you. We can't be righteous on our own. And that's what Jesus is saying to the around me. He's saying, listen, you can't be righteous on, on your own. So I want to make my words difficult for you to make you realize that the only righteousness that you can cling to is my righteousness. And what makes you self-righteous is clinging on to your own righteousness. That we think that we're good by what we do. Wrong. We're good by what Jesus has already done for us. Man, that's good preaching right there. It's good stuff. So listen, this is what Jesus says. So he lays this out. So I'm going to give you some words of Jesus. And this is going to be hard for some of you. So buckle your seatbelts. We're going to go for a little ride, okay? Um, This is going to be hard. But I want you to remember the words of Jesus are hard because he wants you to realize you cannot depend on your own self-righteousness. So what he just does, he just blows a huge hole in the self-righteous Pharisees thinking. He's just going to blow it up. And they're not going to be real happy with him. And so I, I, want you to, I want you to understand this is where Jesus is coming from. So let me give you some examples. So someone who was religious at the time might feel good about themselves because maybe they never murdered anyone. So they're following the commandments of God and they say, look at how great we are. We never murdered anyone, which looks good uh, by the law standard. And, and it's good not to murder anyone. Okay, let's understand that. But I want you to listen to Jesus's words here. He goes so much deeper than just not looking good. Like, hey, look, at I didn't murder anyone. Oh, I get a gold star on my forehead, okay? Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 21, 22. He says, you've heard it. You've heard that, that our ancestors were told, you must not murder, which is true. It's commandment of God. He goes, if you, could, if you commit murder, you are subject to judgment, which is true. But I say, here comes the big Jesus says, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Now, wait a minute, pastor. How many of us have been angry with somebody? You better raise your hands, okay? All of us have been angry with people, right? All of a sudden, now, wait a minute. We're subject to judgment. Wait, 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 wait. You don't understand. Well, what what does Jesus mean? Maybe Jesus doesn't. No, no, this is exactly what Jesus means. If you've been angry with anyone, you're subject to judgment. He says, if you even called someone an idiot. I think I just did that this morning, pastor, driving to church. Uh, 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 okay. He says, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, oh man, pastor, this isn't good. Why did I come to church today? Um, you are in danger already. You are in danger of the fires of hell. Now, 
wait a minute, that's pretty strict. Every single one of us in this room are doomed. We are, aren't we? It's exactly Jesus' point. That's where he wants you to be. He wants you just, he wants you just to sit there and mull on it. Because every, single one, because every single one of us have been angry with somebody, and you may not have cursed out loud, but you did in your heart. You did in your heart. And say, so this is where Jesus is. So what Jesus is saying is, it, 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 it's, it's that murder begins where? It's in your heart. It starts with anger. It's not, it's not just, okay, you didn't commit this act. Goody, goody gumdrops for you. But what he's saying is, it starts somewhere in your heart. And it's just as evil. And that's where we need to get. That's our hearts. So someone might take some righteous pride in thinking in Jesus. Let's keep going here. All right. You can read the whole thing for yourself. It's fun. I mean, it's going to make you feel real good. Uh, Let's keep going here. So Jesus says, listen, you say it each someone, you murder them in your heart. Then he goes, he goes on. He says, well, I've never committed adultery. That's one of the, that's one of the uh, commandments, right? But once again, Jesus takes it a step further. This is fun, isn't it? Aren't we all having a good time? That's what Jesus says further in the chapter. He says, you've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. Okay, everybody's agreeing. Yeah. And then, you know, there are those in the crowd that are saying, you know, some of the guys in the crowd are saying, yeah, yeah, we did. Woo, we're righteous. Woo, woo. Everybody get a high five to Jesus. Woo, this is great, right? But here comes the big. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in her heart. Yikes. Once again, Jesus is saying, if you're trying to please me in your own righteousness by just saying, I didn't do this, Jesus, but I know your heart. I know what's in there. And you're guilty before me. So you're thinking, man, How can anyone ever follow Jesus and get this right? We're all doomed. Listen, here's the good news. The good news is you can't do it in your righteousness. We need the righteousness of Jesus and his grace to cover our sins. Every single one of them. And this is what Jesus was trying to do. He was trying to part the waters for the self-righteous who thought, well, just because I didn't do these things, I must be right before God. And, and Jesus says, no, it's your heart. If I've got your heart, I've got your life. If I've got your heart, you're not going to be dependent on your own self-righteousness that leads to judgment and condemnation to others. When I've got your heart and you realize you're completely dependent on me, that's where things begin to change. Now we're going to begin to look at the world a little bit differently. And guess what else? We're going, to be, we're going to be looking at ourselves a little bit differently. Doesn't that give you a more sobering picture of yourself? To realize that it's all about Jesus and his righteousness and what he did for us. So that's where the hope comes in. Because when we fall on the gospel message that Jesus came for sinners, and every single one of us are, to rescue us from the bonds of sin. And that makes us depend on him and his righteousness. So... Listen, let's just bring it home to where we live. It, it, if I don't guard my heart, I can just fall right into that self-righteousness. It, it would be like driving down 104 and you're going the speed limit and you feel good about yourself. I'm going the speed limit. Nah, 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 nah. And meanwhile, everybody else is passing you and you're cursing everyone that's passing you. That's the same thing, right? You're going the speed limit 
but you're cursing everybody else. What's the, what's the problem? It's our heart. That's what Jesus is getting to in his Sermon on the Mount. So how do we turn it around from a self-righteous heart to a heart that is tender towards Christ and listening to him? How do we turn from suspicion and judgment to a heart of grace? Okay, this is where we're going to we're going to talk about. So 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 here's what Jesus says. Let's keep going on and let's keep going on in Matthew here. So Jesus says this. He brings up another thing. So this is going to make us all feel even better. So here we go. Jesus talks about judging and, and, and how we deal with that. Okay? Once again, he's going to give us a true reflection of ourselves. So Matthew chapter 7, here's what Jesus says. And so he's, he's going to give us protection in Matthew chapter 7 from self-righteousness that leads to judgment and suspicion. So he says, Jesus says this to the crowd. He says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Mm-hmm. Let that soak in for just a little bit, okay? And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye. Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Okay. So let's, what's Jesus saying here? Let's unpack this. Let's unpack what Jesus means. This Now, when we look at these words, do not judge, what is Jesus saying here in the Greek language and, and the original language that the New Testament was written in? What do you think it means? This is what it means. It means do not judge. That's the Greek, okay? So it, 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 what, 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 it, what it really means is, is what, what we do is we, we, we sit in the seat of judgment and we already have delegated a judgment on someone. It's in my heart where I've already made up my mind that this person is guilty. That's what it means to judge. It's like I'm already, without understanding everything, without ever looking at my heart, without ever looking at the situation, I just automatically just, just place judgment, already condemning someone. Now, most of us would think, if we're really honest with ourselves, most of us would think we're not judgmental. But we are. Now, if you, if you say, I'm just going to be honest with you. If you see a police car pulling in your neighbor's driveway, I know your thir- first thought is like, are they going to be coming out in handcuffs? Right? Or are we thinking, hey, is there something wrong? Is something going on? Now, if you really know your neighbor really well, maybe you wouldn't jump to that conclusion. But if you don't know your neighbor that really well, or they're always up to something, you're thinking they're going to be coming out in handcuffs. You see... We size up people all the time, and that is our default. Whether it's from a bad experience or childhood memory, we tend to prejudge. So we judge people by what they wear, by how they look. We just simply judge. So what's underneath all this? Here's what Jesus is getting to. It's, it's, the, it's the ugly underside of judgment. And really, the ugly underside of judgment is this. It's the feeling of, I'm better. It's the feeling I'm better. What's underneath all this? It's that ugly side of judgment that I'm better. And so what does Jesus want us to understand? Are are we, are we never to speak 
into each other's lives in fear of judgment, that's not what Jesus is saying. Are we just supposed to let things go and just say, well, I'm not, I can't speak in other people's lives because, you know, I don't want to think that, they're, that I'm judging them. So I'm not going to do that. That's not what Jesus is saying. See, or when we, when we do speak into someone's lives, we want to make sure that our hearts are correct in what we're doing and how we're saying it, that we're humble in what we're doing. Because we all know that sin is destructive. And we, if we love each other, we're going to want to speak into each other's lives and bring correction. And, and, and we need to be careful because so many times we feel like, well, what, what if the other person comes back and says, well, you're not perfect either, right? That, that's not a good conversation. But we need to be careful. I believe Jesus gives us the answer to the I'm better than you judgment or not saying anything at all because we, we fear that we're being judgmental or we might offend someone. So what Jesus does, he gives us the answer here and he says it starts with us. That doesn't mean we never say anything or we're closed-lipped about something. That doesn't mean we, we, we speak out. But he says, do it in a way that's humble before the Lord, that you're, you're, you're examining your own life first, that you're not blind to your own faults. So how do we deal correctly with our judgment of others? How do we correctly deal with our judgment of others. Let me just give you a couple things here. First of all, Jesus wants us to give careful thought to the words we use. And so it's not being flippant with our words. Jesus says, you know, with uh, your words of judgment, you're going to be judged too. So guess who judges us? It's God who judges us. So are we harsh in our judgment? If, if we are, if we're, if we're not careful, the Bible says we're going to be treated the same way. So here's always a good thing to remember. There is no altercation that should ever result in an unchristian response. Just, just always remember that. No matter what the altercation is, if you're a follower of Christ, it should never result in an unchristian response. Just be careful with you. That doesn't mean you never speak into people's lives, but be careful with the words that we use. Sometimes we are so harsh in our judgment. And I'm so thankful that God and his mercy and grace just didn't wipe me off the face of the planet. See, it's, it's, it's God's love for us. He's patient with us. So that we would be led to repentance. So be careful with your words. Just give thoughts to your words. When you feel it welling up to say, what, what's coming out of my mouth? Is it coming from a self-righteous attitude? Or is it coming from a heart of love and correction because I care about this situation or this person? And then Jesus also wants us to give careful thought to our lives. This is really where he gives the crux of, of these verses. In Matthew, because we can spend much of our time looking at other people's issues and faults that we really pay no attention to ours. So Jesus is saying, pay attention to your own also, because we can actually become blind and numb to our sin. And so the way I break myself of that, where I'm examining my heart and then my heart is tender before the Lord and I'm dealing with my own sin is this. If we are not daily repenting of our inadequacies, the result will be a hardened heart to our faults. And so the repenting is not, it's not, I'm so bad all the time. And oh. repenting, what it is, it's a change of mind. It's a change of mind to the, what I used to think, to taking that 180 degree to, to submitting to the will of God. 
God, forgive me. Man, I prejudged those kids in Wendy's. And, and God, you just schooled me. That's how much you love me. I, I'm, I'm th- aren't you glad that God does discipline us at times? Because we need it. Because he loves us. And, the, and, and we know in his word, he says, listen, you know, there will be times as a, as a good father disciplines the son, so God will discipline us. And so, and so we have to remind ourselves that if we're not daily repenting, that we're not changing our mind, that, 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 that God forgive me of this and change my mind here. You know, the, I, I was short here. I missed it here. I judged somebody here. The result will be a softened heart, not a hardened heart, if we're not daily repenting. Because it's so easy for us just to get off track and, and, and go right back to our old ways if we're not daily submitting our heart before the Lord. And so we can look at all the issues in our friends' lives, our neighbors' lives, but all the while, right, our personal lives can be a train wreck. And so Jesus is saying, listen, take careful inventory of our lives listen to Jesus before you look at, at, you know, the speck in someone else's eye, take a long look at your life. See, when we are grieved over our sin, it will humble us. And we will approach others' faults with a completely different attitude. That's what Jesus is getting to. He's not just beating us up. What he's saying is, listen, when you take careful inventory of your own life, when you're grieved over your own sin, it will humble you and it will make you be more dependent on me. So when you go into a situation where you have to have a conversation with somebody about something or something that you don't agree with, you're going to come in with a much less self-righteous judgment attitude because you realize you need God's grace in your own life. And it's a completely different attitude. There's not anger there. There's not suspicion. You're allowing God to do what he needs to do. And let me just tell you something. This works. Because I guarantee that conversation is going to go a completely different way. And even if it doesn't, you're honoring God by not walking in a judgmental, self-righteous way. See, we tend to hold others to a much stricter standard than we do ourselves. That's just true. And so if, 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 if we tend to give others, uh, you know, we tend to give ourselves much more grace than we do others. So we have to be careful here. So think of, think of the grace that God gave to us through his son, Jesus, that we didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We need that same grace in dealing with others. And I guarantee that your heart will be much more tender and pliable before the Lord. And we can't do it in our own strength. If we do it in our own strength, our own righteousness, it always goes haywire. It always goes the wrong way. But if we humble ourselves before the Lord, we're going to deal, God's going to be able to deal with our heart and we'll be able to deal with those situations in a much way that's more pleasing to the Lord. Um, I had about twice a year, I have like eight to nine, ten vials of blood blood drawn. Um, I go to a doctor and that she just checks everything. Just this thorough. Every time I go into blood, they're like, man, you're giving a lot of blood today. And I go, yeah, the doctor likes to do a thorough blood. So I do about twice a year. And so, you know, I go and, and I, 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 I give blood. So I'm, I'm, I'm in giving blood. And um, supposedly the doctor was supposed to send the, the paperwork over and the, and the technician that was taking my blood didn't have the paperwork. And you can just tell she was agitated. To the point of just kind of being rude and like, where's your paper? And I go, I thought she did. And she goes, well, where's this? You know, just, you could tell she was having 
a bad day. So I'm thinking in the back of my mind, listen, I'm the one that's got to give nine vials of blood. I'm the one that's got to get poked. Okay. So if anyone's got a reason to be irritated, it's me, not you. And then I thought to myself, wait a minute. She's the one with the needle. (laughs) Better be nice to her. So I didn't say anything. And right then, as I was trying to, you know, as I was getting um, agitated, I just, I'm like, I just really felt God just speaking to my heart saying, Barden, you just need to give grace. You have no idea what she's been through. You're like, this is late in the afternoon. She's drawn so much blood today. And, you know, somebody could have been rude to her. She probably deals with blah, blah, blah. You know, so I just like, you know what? I just let God just soften and just listen to him and just give, um, give grace. And so, um, so I didn't say anything. And all of a sudden she, she, you know, does begins to draw the blood and she really did a good job. Actually, I didn't feel a thing. And I, I am not, uh, I don't like giving blood. Some of you are weird about that, but I don't like giving blood. And, um, cause when I was younger, the doctor said never to look when they're drawing blood or when you get a shot. And I looked as a kid. And from the time I looked at it, right? And I, I have this fear of giving blood or taking shots. So I'm not looking at it. They always ask me, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm just giving you a shot. I'm just giving you drawn blood. Are you okay? Are you going to pass out? I might. Do you have a teddy bear or something to comfort me at this moment? Cause I, so I'm not good at that. But I just, so I told her, I said, you know what? You did a really good job drawing the blood. I didn't feel a thing. And she goes, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. She goes, you know what? You're the first person that said that to me today. There you go. And you know what? Our whole conversation went through. She goes, oh, your paperwork came in. Oh, I see it here. Oh, great. And then we had this long conversation and it it went a completely different way. And when I walked out of that place, I just realized, God, my heart is so judgmental at times. And I'm so selfish at times. God, I need your grace, not just once a week. I need your grace moment by moment by moment. I've got to keep reminding myself, it's by your grace that I'm saved. Hey, listen, can we just ease off a little bit on people? Can, can, we, just, can we just allow God to speak to our hearts at times and just show grace to people that so desperately need it? I'm not saying that we don't, we don't speak our hearts at times to people, but, but, but let's, let's, let's have a right to allow people to hear what we have to say. Because many times we just say what we say and we don't really have a right to say that sometimes. And it doesn't go well. Let's be careful. Can we be careful about maybe what we say to the world? Can we be careful what we might say, um, you know, on social media? Can we just really be careful? Here's here's what I would tell you. Here's what I would just tell you. Are you filtering your lives and your words through the cross of Jesus Christ. So, so let's take a close look at our lives this week. Let's take a close look at what we're posting, what we're saying, and just allow God's grace to infiltrate our lives. Can we wake up in the morning tomorrow and just say, God, give me an opportunity to show your grace today. Listen, we do a great job at showing judgment. That's not our problem. We all have the gift of judgment. That's not our issue. Our problem is grace. That's our problem.
Could we just wake up in the morning and just say, you know what? And, and I've, I've been trying to do this. So I'm not just saying, I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. I was actually having dinner and the other day and, and um, I, there was these two young teenagers that were serving and it was like a buffet and you had to go up there and it, it was a golf tournament and you got all these guys that are hungry after the golf tournament and they were ready to eat and they didn't have the food out. And, and so the girl, young teenager, was like, oh, we're sorry, we didn't get it out. She was great. And we're all standing there and just waiting. And everybody was good. The men were patient. But she was great. She handled all these guys that were hungry. And she just handled, she was great. She handled, and then a server that was taking our plates was smiling the whole time. So after I go, I'm, you know, I'm going to just tell the manager how well these two teenagers worked. So I found the manager. I said, hey, are you the manager? He's like, maybe. <laughs> I said, I just want to let you know that the girl at the end of the table there, the buffet, did a great job. The food wasn't out right away. We're all standing there. She handled it great. She was apologetic. She, she was great. I go, the kid that's picking up all the plates smiled the whole time. He goes, really? I go, yeah. He goes, they're great kids. I go, I just want you to know that they're doing a great job and you've done a good job training them. Because you know what? I don't think people that serve ever hear that enough. If, if any of you have ever been in a service industry, all you hear is the majority is complaints. I, can I get an amen? You know, if you're a teacher, if it's hard. And listen, let's, let's, you know, there are times that we need to speak. And I'm not telling people not to speak or, or to share or to speak in each other's lives. But what Jesus is telling us is look at your own heart and your own life. We get agitated. We blow it. And guess what? I was on 104 and I cut somebody off. I didn't look all the way in my blind spot. And I was like, what would I have done? I probably wouldn't have been as nice as the woman in the car. I just went, oh, I'm sorry. And she goes, that's okay. Go ahead. I'm like, wow, she showed me grace. I look at Kathleen. I said, I don't think I would have done that. God showed my heart like that. God showed my heart. Barden, be the same way. Be the same way. Allow the grace of Christ to direct every step of your life. Because what's going to happen this week is God's going to test you. And this message is going to come up in your mind and you're going to say, man, why did I go to church last Sunday? Let it be an opportunity to show the love and grace that this world so desperately needs to hear and see. And it's through us that God does it. So, Father God, we, we come before you and we admit that we are not perfect. And we make so many mistakes. But I thank you, Jesus, that you forgive us. You know our frailties. You know that we fall short so many times. And I pray that we would just come to your grace over and over and over again. That we wouldn't... Um, we wouldn't make excuses for our shortcomings, that we wouldn't make excuses for our judgmental heart, that we would allow your grace. Because when we begin to understand the grace that saved us, it's going to flow through our lives and to the people that we deal with every day. So we just say, forgive us, God. Forgive me for my impatience. Forgive us of our judgmental hearts. God, maybe it's someone that we, we did wrong this week. I pray we'd go back to them and just apologize and humble ourselves. Humility is not a fun thing because we have to stoop. But Jesus, you stooped. 
stooped to the cross to win us back. And help us never to forget that in our lives of what you've done for us. That you stooped as you washed the disciples' feet. You took the role of a servant. You chose to do that. Everything you did, you willingly did it to please the will of the Father. May we do it not to get brownie points, but may we do it as a choice because we want to serve you, Jesus. Ultimately, when we give grace, we're ultimately doing it for you, Jesus, because it's an act of gratitude for the overwhelming grace that you bestowed upon us that none of us deserve. So I thank you, God, for your grace today. I thank you for this series of messages, God, that you've spoke to my heart. And I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't forget your amazing grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. It saved a good person like me. No, that saved a wretch like me. So, Lord, I just pray that we would go in your grace today, that, God, you would, um, that, that we would see that your grace is available to us each and every day, that we would never lose sight that we're saved by your grace and not our works. And we're so grateful for that. And we just want to be careful, so very careful, to ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Can we thank the Lord this morning for his word today? Amen.